everyone, and welcome to MLS Assist, a podcast created to give insight into Major League Soccer's on-field action. I'm your host, Joe Lowry, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jordan Angeli. Jordan, I'm going to be honest, it feels a little bit weird to be recording an episode without having watched several hours of soccer directly beforehand. And the sun is like blinding me. I feel like I need sunglasses on. It's daytime. <laughs> what is this life? It is weird. <laughs> it's much closer to 1 p.m. for you instead of 1 a.m., which is a, a little bit yeah. of a transition, but we're, we're happy for it. Yeah. <laughs> and we get a preview semifinal. That's right. Today is our semifinal preview show where we want to give listeners some specific things to watch for in these semifinal games. We're not predicting things. We're not guaranteeing score lines or, or who's going to score or any of that stuff. But we will be looking at specific matchups or, or detailed elements of these games that you guys can be watching for. So we've got two games for the semifinal round. The Philadelphia Union versus the Portland Timbers on Wednesday. Then the following day, it's Orlando City versus Minnesota United. Again, that's on Thursday. So the way we're going to format this show is each of us is going to give one or two tactical things from each team. We split up the teams half and half. So you've got one from each game and I've got one from each game. Yeah. We're going to give a little tacticalness from each team and then single out one specific player to watch and why. Okay. Does all that sound good, Jordan? It sounds great. And I like tacticalness. Yeah, that's a new word. It's coming out in the new dictionary <laughs> 2021. Amazing. It's so good. <laughs> no, but I, I think, did we call them tactical tidbits? We did. Once? That was that or, was our yeah. early season description yes. for some of the shorter tactical things. That's kind of what we're doing back. now. You're Let's right. Bring it back. All right. Tactical tidbits it is. Jordan, do you want to start us off with your team from that first game of the semifinal round? Yeah, I can start us off. So I'm going to be talking about the Philadelphia Union. As Philadelphia have built and grown into this tournament, they have really shown a couple of things that I think are really interesting. So for me, if the Philadelphia Union are going to be successful in this game against Portland, it's going to come in a couple of different ways. They are going to be... um Right side, strong side. Mm. This is a team who really loves and thrives attacking down the right side of their, of the field. If I went back and looked at some of their possession heat maps and Alejandro Bedoya loves to come out to the channel and put his heels on the touchline and really start to be a playmaker in that 4-4-2 as that outside member of the midfield diamond. He likes to playmake from the wing and that gets freedom for a couple of different players and I I think it's I think I would be wrong if I didn't say the player to watch here is Brendan Aronson Hmm. right so a couple of things because the union are so right side dominant there's going to be two things that I'm looking for can Aronson pull himself away from these Portland holding midfielders right and Diego Chara can he can that matchup be one that he literally pulls him out of the space that they actually want to occupy, which is that central space on top of the 18, that zone 14. So then Shabilko and Santos are in a more centralized area so they can be there for uh, finishing off the ball, essentially. So that's one. So Aronson pulling Chara out. And then also, I think that if the Union are going to be good on their right side, they have to util- utilize Elliot as that center back on the right side and he has to be able to connect as the Union pull Portland over to their right side. He has to be able to connect the long diagonal pass to the far side and bring into the match, into the match Kai uh, Wagner. So after that detailed insight into the Union, I want to ask you the specific question. This is, this is what I want to call the Taylor Rockwell question because I, I use it because he used it. And I think it's a great way to give insight into games. The question is, 
what can people be looking for from the Philadelphia Union in the first 15 minutes or so of this game to tell us if the game is going their way or not? Is it that right-sided spacing that they need in the attack? I think so. This will be a really interesting game because I feel like Philly has shown us that they have almost done better when they've had a little bit less possession and been playing in transition moments. And that's when they've scored the most goals. Well, if you look at the other side of the coin here, (laughs) how did Portland like to play, right? So I think that this will be interesting. Which team is going to want possession and which team is going to be best in possession uh, with longer bouts of possession. And I think it does uh, suit Philadelphia a little bit more because if they can get on the ball early and they can overload the right side, I think that they will have opportunities either to a break down that side of Portland with Viafania, Williamson and Zuperich, but they would also have the ability to isolate on the far side. So I'm saying possession And yeah, good spacing or that overload of the right side. All right. That is the Philadelphia Union. I'll be watching for that right-sided overloads and Brendan Aronson's movement in midfield. On to my team. This is the Portland Timbers. They're not my team, but they're the team that I'm previewing here. I love, I love. (laughs) Whatever. You said it. I said it. It's fine. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) I, I love, Jordan, how you said that this game sort of does come down to which team is on the ball more because the Union are good in transition. The Timbers are too. And so my thing that I'm looking for in this game, especially in those early stages of the match, is how are the Timbers absorbing pressure and then getting out on the break? Mm -hmm. Because we've seen them repeatedly in the past. I'm thinking specifically against NYCFC. They baited NYCFC into attacking. They wanted them to have the ball and go forward and then the Timbers would win it and Sebastian Blanca would play that transition master point guard role on the break. If the Timbers can do that again against the Union and force them to have the ball and absorb that right-sided possession and watch for the switches over to the weak side, that could really favor the Timbers because they are best. I think I think they still are at their best when they're working the ball quickly forward and exploiting pockets of space in the attack. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. My question for you is, do you start Diego Valeri or does he come off the bench again? I think you haven't come off the bench again. And not because Diego Valeri isn't good enough to start, but because of the impact that Sebastian Blanco, I think, can have when he's getting a higher volume of touches in the middle of the field, especially when he can be the primary attacking playmaker in transition, where he can be the one responsible for helping the team break through the counter press by starting centrally and not having to drift in from the left side or play in balls from the left side into the front two, which is sort of what it turns into when Valeri is in the lineup alongside mm-hmm. of Bobisi or Nishkoda. If Blanco can be in that space, I think that benefits the Timbers a little bit more. Then you bring Valeri off the bench, and that's that's all the substitute attacking talent you could ever ask for. Yeah. One of the matchups that I am really excited to watch in this game, and we'll see if it happens, because I think if, if Abobasi plays like I would, if I were him, I would probably cheat my way over a little bit more to Elliot than McKenzie. But I think McKenzie-Abobasi matchup is going to be really interesting. Hmm. Jordan, we haven't talked a whole lot about Mark McKenzie in this tournament. A little bit at the beginning of the group stage, but he's put in quite a performance defensively. His distribution when he's not under a lot of pressure is very, very good with both feet. Defensively, he's active with where he looks and he's active with keeping his eye on the ball and on his man at the same time. That battle between Abobasi and McKenzie could be a good one. It's not, however, my player to watch in this game. Can I add one more thing before we go to your player? Sure, because absolutely. I think that this I think that this matchup is also interesting because Abobasi doesn't just give you one thing. He will stretch the back line and he'll challenge you for pace and behind, which I Mackenzie can match, you know, 
that speed and reading the game that way, but he'll also play in between the lines. So how does McKenzie and Elliot that in that matter, how do they manage him playing in between the lines and trying to be that playmaker? So um, that's kind of why I also think that's going to be an interesting matchup, but okay. Enough about what <laughs> I think about your team. Tell me about who you think the player to watch is. All right. My my player to watch for the Portland Timbers is not Sebastian Blanco. It's not Diego Valeri. It's not even Jeremy Obobese. It's Eric Williamson. Oh, I like it. As a central midfielder playing as half of that double pivot alongside Diego Chara, Williamson has the mobility to help the Timbers avoid being overloaded and even control the midfield against the Union. On paper, the matchup is 4v2 in midfield. That's, that's not how it's going to look in this game because soccer is much more fluid than that. But even still, the Union purposefully stack the midfield. They want to shift the ball over to the right side, which, as you mentioned, Jordan, is Williamson's defensive side. That's on the left side of the Timbers midfield. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be watching for, defensively especially, how can he cover ground and help the Union control midfield and block off Brendan Aronson's access to the ball? Mm. Because if we see assertive Brendan Aronson in the attack for the Union, that's going to be nothing but trouble for the Portland Timbers. But if Williamson can mitigate some of that danger, block off some of those passing angles, track Aronson a little bit when he's higher up the field or when he makes those line-breaking runs in behind the defense, Williamson's mobility and his ability to cover ground and stop some of those things from happening could be a key, and it's certainly a key that I'm watching for in this game. Yeah, I like that. Good choice. Thank you, Jordan. You as well. I'm into our first, I'm into our first matchup. I think that that's some good things for people to look at. Well, let's carry on those good things into the second game of the semifinal round. Orlando City versus Minnesota United on Thursday. Jordan, why don't I start this time? Yeah? Okay. Yep. I got to tell everybody, though, too. Every time I hear Orlando or I read it in regards to Orlando City, I just hear Joseph Martinez going, Orlando! <laughs> <laughs> just laughing on his couch. I don't know. Is that weird? No, I think that's very normal for the amount of soccer that we've been thinking about this month. So you're welcome, everybody. <laughs> So my my thing that I'm looking for from Minnesota United is how their midfield is going to match up with Orlando City's midfield. We talked about this before, right? These are trends that we've been seeing throughout this tournament. Starting at the crew game, that was key for Minnesota United was how they're going to block off Nagby and Artur in midfield. Then they changed that shape and that midfield alignment a little bit going into their matchup with San Jose and had a 4-3-3 defensively. That is what I'm expecting to see in this game as well, because of how it matches up with Orlando City's 4-2-3-1. Think about the structure for a second, right? When you're Minnesota United, you've got Ozzy Alonso, if you're in that 4-3-3. You've got Ozzy Alonso at the 6. That matches up with Pereira for Orlando City. Then higher up the field, you've got Gregush and Hayes, or, or whoever ends up playing those two central midfield spots for Minnesota United. That can match up with Uri Rossell and with Sebastian Mendes. Seeing how those three players control the midfield for Orlando City, those guys who set the tempo so much for them in possession, that's going to be key to establishing how well Minnesota United start this game and if they can get on the board earlier in the first half like they did against the Earthquakes. That's a good point because I do think that when you're playing against a team who... Now we can say Orlando City is a team who likes to possess and is really, really good at possession, right? And building out of possession... How do you mitigate that? Well, I think with those teams who play in a 4-2-3-1, you really mitigate those two holding midfielders from getting the ball and being able to do what they do best, which is be those pivot players and be able to switch the point of attack and to, to start the rhythm. So I think that's a good shout there. So, and that, that does tie into my player to watch as well. It's another young American. We've had right. three young Americans so far. I don't think that was intentional, but <laughs> these guys are all no. going to be key to these matchups. For me, it's Asani Dotson. 
We've seen him over and over again in this tournament deal with Nagby. Then he goes and deals with Lako and a, a lot of the other Earthquakes left-sided attackers in the quarterfinal round. If he starts it right back again in this game, if Metanir can't go, if his hamstring is still bothering him, which is a real possibility, those injuries can be very fickle. If we get Dotson in this lineup, his ability to defend Nani in space after Orlando City do their right-sided possession into the long diagonal switch over to Nani, that's something that they went back to over and over again against LAFC. Shh, shh that's mine. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's great minds, Jordan. Right? The, the, his ability to defend Nani in space on that left side of Orlando's attack, the right side of Minnesota United's defense, if that is in fact Dotson out there, who I think is probably a better defender than Metonair anyway, so that even if he's healthy, that still might be how Adrian Heath chooses to go. That matchup on the left wing or the right side of defense, that's going to be huge in this game to seeing how effectively Minnesota United can stop Orlando City from attacking. I really like Dotson because I feel like he just makes it look not hard. (laughs) He just kind of makes things look simple and kind of nonchalant about whatever he does. Like, it's just another day in the office. I'm going to go play centrally and like chew up the space. Now I'm going to go... I play out wide, outside back, and like, I don't play there all the time, but I can't. Like, I just feel like he does everything really well, but he doesn't make a big deal out of it. And, and what surprised me in the, the game against the Earthquakes is how effective he was getting forward. It's not something that I thought, okay, you stick a, a primarily a guy who plays central midfield and you put him out wide and you expect him to provide some width and to get overlapping. He did those things well too. He was a danger on both sides of the ball against the Earthquakes, and that impressed me as well. I like that choice. I like that your choices are not key attacking players. It kind of feels like those attacking players are low-hanging fruit. Not not that they're not going to impact these games because they are, but I, I wanted to go outside the box a little bit on some of these picks. You know, Joe, I like that. And you know what? I'm going to take the low-hanging <laughs> fruit. I'm going to take it because, you know what? This is a knockout game and you have to have people who are willing and able and step up to the plate to score goals or create goals. So... I'm going to just take the attacking low-hanging fruit like Brendan Aronson and my pick for Orlando City as well. I forgot you picked Aronson, Jordan, already. My (laughs) mind has already moved on to Orlando City. Who have you got? Who's your attacking low-hanging fruit in this one? Pereira. Yeah, okay. If you had to pick a guy for Orlando City who's not Nani, Pereira intrigues me so much, so I want to hear more. Well, you know what is crazy to me is... He was on the team last year and he like it's not as if we talked about him a lot because he couldn't find who he was in the middle of who Orlando City was last Mm. year. Right. And I think Oscar Pereja setting the tone both as the culture of what the team's going to be like, uh, how they're going to play allows Pereira to have the space and the ability to manipulate space that he actually really thrives off of. Yeah, he's been a revelation for them in the attack, helping them set the rhythm in possession, facilitating the ball, getting into the box, taking chances. He's been huge for them in this tournament. Yeah, so you you had mentioned when you were talking about um, Minnesota is that Orlando City like to attack down the right side. And of course they do because they have Huan who, you know, I talked about him a lot at the beginning of the year. I thought, okay, this guy is going to be a really good outside back. And he continues to do that. Like he his willingness to get up and down the field and really create problems for the defensive team on that right side of attack for Orlando is key. But I think that they're going to, I think Orlando needs to use that as a way to, again, manipulate the space. It's actually very similar to me as to what Philadelphia wants to do, because I think the more that they can drag 
Minnesota into the right side of their their attack, the left side of Minnesota's defense, the more they're going to be able to create space for Pereira to get on the ball and isolate Nani on the on the left side, right? So one of the things that we've seen from those two is they have this freedom within the attacking system to kind of be all over the place. So I what I want people to look for is those two players and where they pick up the ball, because, yes, they will pick it up on the left side. Nani will stay on the left side and pick the ball up there. But he also will come inside. And so for me, it's not that first defender that I think is important for Minnesota. It's the help defense. It's who is the next player up who's going to be able to step to Nani, to step to Pereira. Because that next player up, that next defender up is going to be key because Pereira and especially Nani are willing to shoot from outside the box. And unlike some of the other teams that I've yipped at for shooting outside the box, those two can shoot from outside the box and either score brilliant goals or at least challenge the goalkeeper into making a save, which could create rebound opportunities, which if you have a player like Tasha Akindeli, he will pounce on those types of balls. Orlando City get the Jordan Angeli go ahead to shoot from outside the box. They're on the they're on the OK list to take those long shots. <laughs> but it's it's justified, though. For, they get the green light. They get the green light. It, it's justified for all the reasons that you said, but also because we know Orlando City isn't going to take 12 shots from outside the box every game. They'll take those shots sometimes in specific moments, but then also work the ball into the box, play those one touches off of Nani into Pereira, into Akindele. Then they'll use that to change the pace of their attacks or change the look. That's a different thing from some of the bad habits that we see specifically from the San Jose Earthquakes. I feel bad. (laughs) Sorry, guys. We brought it up again. (laughs) Okay, there we have it. That is our four-team MLS's back semifinal round preview show giving you guys specific things to watch for things that jordan and i'll be watching for things that we will likely talk about when we review these games on wednesday night and thursday night of this week i think that was pretty good we wanted to keep it the same length that we've been doing and we actually almost nailed it i'm proud of us jordan one one thing yeah, me too. one thing before we close here our very own jordan angeli was on football with grant wall that's obviously grant wall's podcast where he talks with different figures from around the soccer world or the football world rather Jordan was on there talking about her career, some of her injury rehab, our show, things like that. Listen to it. Jordan's great. We all love Jordan. Go support that and that episode from Grant. Oh, thanks, Joe. Yeah, it was fun to it was fun to be the person getting asked the questions and not the interviewee, you know. <laughs> it's nice. It's a nice or change the interviewer. of pace. It's a nice <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> I'm with you, Jordan. I'm with you. All right. That is all we've got for today. We will be back later this week, like I said, reviewing these semifinal games. Until then, Jordan, thanks for chatting with me. Listeners, we'll be back again soon. Sounds good.